Hey everyone, it's Alpha Leak time. So this is a special series that David and I do whenever some Alpha Leakable crypto news dropped. And boy, do we have a big piece of news today. We wanna to talk about the implications of Uniswap V3. It has finally revealed its details and announced what it intends to package up in, in V3, including a launch date. So we're gonna talk about that and the implications. David, how big of news is this for DeFi and for, for crypto? I mean, everyone has been anticipating this, right? This is this has been something that we've all wanted. We all known has been coming. And also, uh, fun fact about Bankless, uh, Bankless history: the Alpha Leak series started with you, the Uniswap airdrop in the first that's place. That's right. <laughs> coming full circle, uh, and so so that's pretty cool. And so we're gonna go ahead and dive into what is Uniswap V3 and what are the big surprising things about it that we didn't perhaps see coming. And there are definitely some very interesting features about Uniswap V3 that. Uh, I, I did not expect uh, the, the uh, ERC seven twenty one NFTs are involved, which is pretty cool. Uh, well, look, it fits. Everyone's getting in on the NFTs, so I guess Uniswap <laughs> is getting in on the NFTs too, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, and then and there's some other uh, things as well, which uh, such as a uh, variable liquidity across the AMM curve, which really starts to eat into the moats of other AMMs on Ethereum, oh. specifically Curve. I'm gonna call mm. Curve out here. It's like, ooh, does Curve have the moat anymore after Uniswap V3? Question yeah. mark. This ooh. is the uh, the return of the the unicorn, David. I thought mm. this was gonna be Ultrasound Money Week, but now suddenly here we are talking about Uniswap. Well played, Hard Hayden. Rock Hard yeah, pull. rug pull. Okay, so the other thing is Hayden is coming on the Bankless podcast. We are yeah. pretty much confirmed in DMs. <laughs> he asked us to mark to, to dump Mark Cuban mm -hmm. for uh, an interview with him. As it was a joke, of course, we weren't going right. to dump Mark Cuban. But now Hayden Adams is coming on the Bankless podcast. Hopefully, sometime we will be recording that this week. So stay tuned for that, guys. That will be the exhaustive debrief. What you're getting now in this Alpha Leak is our um, unfiltered thoughts on this. So we, we haven't had much time for this to, to marinate, much time for a conversation around this. We're, you're just getting our unvarnished thoughts. So take that for what it is. Uh, we're just reading the announcements and the, the details here, the same as you. We will also provide a version of this to Bankless Premium members in a uh, newsletter segment that we call the Alpha Leak. So premium members get that Alpha Leak. There's a link to become a premium member in the show notes, but you're getting it here uh, live streamed on YouTube. And maybe we'll release this as a podcast episode too. David, we got to start with the tease because Uniswap and Hayden specifically have been teasing V3 for what feels like years. I know right. that Uniswap hasn't been even um, around for years, but it, it feels like that. Here's a mm -hmm. tweet from Hayden um, just earlier. Was it late last week? It was March last week, Friday, Thursday or Friday of last week. And Hayden just goes, if I have to go another Another week without publicly announcing details of Uniswap v3, I might go insane. Which, you know, <laughs> reading through the lines, it means it's not going to be another week. It yeah. was going to be literally three to four days. And I actually, I, I quote, quote retweeted this one and said, wow, this really reminds me of that tweet where, uh, where Hayden tweeted out a picture of the, the V2 Uniswap logo and saying, ooh, pretty colors. And then two days <laughs> later, Uniswap V2 drops. Uh, and so like reading between the lines, this was definitely clear that this was, uh, this was coming. 
But then we got another tease uh, just yesterday, actually, which is this very, very dope uh, graphic um, uh, animation, I guess. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it was, it's a really cool piece of art and it's all Uniswap themed. Uh, and so this was their like reading between the lines. Like this is how uh, this is how they're, they were wanting to announce the announcement. Um, so David, here, I'm sharing it with uh, with sound this time. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. So this is the, the Uniswap announcement, the team's announcement here. I love whoever put together this video, man. I love the aesthetic. Like Uniswap's done a really good job from a branding perspective and capturing like Ethereum's weirdness and culture. We're we're in her DMs trying to get her to do some stuff. Yeah, definitely. Just FYI. All right, I'm gonna stop. Uh, I'm gonna stop playing that sound here. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. All right, and then hold on, I gotta reformat things. And so that was yesterday. And then and then today, which again, like we were saying, this week was supposed to be ultrasound money week, but turns out it's Uniswap V3 week. So now everyone's talking about Uniswap V3. So let's get into it. What is Uniswap V3? And there's definitely one core standout feature that is standing out from the rest. And that is their concentrated liquidity feature, which is why what I was uh, alluding to when I said, does, does Curve, that have any moat anymore, and so uh, to, and maybe that that's good background, good context. Curve is a is a AMM, much like Uniswap, but it's a modified AMM where the curve of the AMM, and of course, AMMs automated market makers. The way that uh, AMMs price things is on a curve, and it's a very simple curve. The Uniswap model is this. Uh, what are the letters like? Um, K times X equals Y or something, three variables. It's an exponential curve. We all learned it in like middle school math. And what curve did, the, the, the stablecoin uh, AMM curve, it, it changed that, that algorithm so that there was a flat part, which allowed for much more capital efficiency. And it could do this because it made this assumption that it was trading like for like assets. So Curve really specialized in high liquidity, like for like assets. So USDC to DAI, uh, WBTC to RenBTC. Uh, and that was really its big competitive advantage to Uniswap uh, because it allowed for that extra capital efficiency. Yet Uniswap V3 has boasts this new feature called concentrated liquidity, which does the same, at the end of the day, it's not the same design, but it achieves achieves the same result, which is extremely high liquidity in very tight bands along a trading like range. Uh, and so in theory, Uniswap V3 can provide comparable or, or even more levels of liquidity for uh, very specific assets like stablecoins specifically that I don't that curve can match, but that therefore what is curves moat anymore? Yeah, the the question I think, or the 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 implication possibly, is that this new Uniswap V two V three design rather is kind of a an automated market maker eater, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of the automated market maker to end all automated market makers. I'm not necessarily saying that's true, but I think mm -hmm. part of the design is that you can provide liquidity essentially anywhere uh, along this curve surgically. And 
surgically. Um, and I actually think, and, and so the, the implication there is maybe you don't need this, this diversity of other automated market makers as much, or at least uh, they, they play less of a role. This kind of generalized case can uh, take it all. I, I actually didn't really understand this concept, I think, until I looked at this video from one of the Uniswap tweets. Uh, and here it is. This is the idea of concentrated liquidity, right? So as a liquidity provider, um, you can provide it, it basically like a, 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 you could provide liquidity around a range, like a price range, right? So what that, what that allows you to do, I, I think of it almost David as like a stop loss order, right? Like mm -hmm. I can provide liquidity. Stop, stop loss liquidity. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Right. So I can provide liquidity, not for the, the entire curve, but only around a specific range. I think they have an example here of, um, mm -hmm. let's say I wanted to provide, oh, five, I've got 5 million. I want to provide easy. 5 million, <laughs> easy 5 million liquidity for the DAI USDC um, pair, but only inside of this very narrow band, this very narrow range where DAI trades at um, the DAI USDC a pair is you know 0.995 to like uh, 1.005. So a very narrow band I'm providing liquidity for. And I sort of set the parameters for that liquidity and I put in all of uh, this liquidity. And the net output it looks like is there's massive depth in the pool for this narrow band. Uh, that's mm -hmm. what you're kind of seeing in this graphic, right? Like look at it go right. up. Mm -hmm. um, so and, at this, and th this very is just small this band, is really all of that. Right. And this is really, really good for, um, for, uh, specifically, um, uh, people that want to provide liquidity for that one specific band and like for stable coins, which are stable coins are never, ever, well, there's not supposed to trade at like 10 cents or 20 cents or really all the way up to like, if a, a stable coin is doing a good job, like 95 cents, stable coins are supposed to stay in between like 95 cents and a dollar and five cents and ideally as tight as possible, which means that, that like when you supply ether, uh, ETH DAI or, or DAI USDC, you're supplying liquidity across the full range of uh, the full spectrum range when right. you really shouldn't be. You should only be supplying liquidity within a very tight band and ideally as tight as possible. And so this, and this is where I think Uniswap uh, uh, boasted that like 4,000 X uh, improved capital efficiency. I think that's what they were talking about. That's what they're referring to is, is like we can cut, we, people won't be providing USDC die liquidity below 95 cents per, per unit. Uh, and they can just concentrate all of that liquidity in such a in such a tiny band. Uh, that's really cool. That's really yeah. Cool. And if and if you're trading in, in Uniswap, it means you get a massive amount of liquidity depth for that narrow band. Mm -hmm. And that that narrow mm -hmm. band is where you know the majority of the trading is going to consist of too, which is uh, which is fascinating. Right. Um, and what I expect this to do is I expect this to basically have no slippage across um, uh, across stable coins. And I think that the fees that people are going to be paying are only going to be gas fees and um, LP and Uniswap exchange fees. There's not gonna, like for for like to like assets. I don't think there will be any slippage on Uniswap. Yeah, that's the interesting thing as a liquidity provider. If you're if you're providing liquidity for that narrow band, you're still making the same in terms of uh, mm -hmm. liquidity provider fees, right? Because you make fees based on every single trade. Um, right. So, you know, that that's where that comes in too. But like what you were just saying, David, it, it comes across in this line. In version three, LPs, liquidity providers, can approximate any conceivable order book 
or automated market maker curve by composing multiple positions per pair. That's what, that's what they're doing here. Infinite strategies can be efficiently aggregated together into a single pool to form a combined curve that users can trade against. You know what this tells me, Ryan, is like, so when the concept of an AMM came out and Uniswap really pioneered it, technically it came before it, but Uniswap really made AMMs come into the, to the, into the forefront of the conversation. And people were, people like newbies like me who never really cared for order books were like, were at like over, over the overjoyed because like, this is so simple. I just input what I don't want and I output what I do want and then boom, boom, we're done. And then I kind of like, you know, my knowledge grew and I realized, well, order book exchanges are, you know, really useful like that. Like AMMs aren't killing order book exchanges. They're just supplementing them with something else. I think this kills order book exchanges and not, not completely, but it does all the same things. Stop lost liquidity providing. That's what an order book is. That yeah. is what an order book is. And so to me, I don't like as the infrastructure around concentrated liquidity grows and grows and grows, that is going to take away from start from order book based exchanges because it's doing the same thing. Yeah, I guess the 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 only downside of automated market makers historically have been that they don't have the liquidity depth, right? Of uh mm -hmm. centralized exchanges. And that was particularly true when Uniswap came out in, you know, 2018, right? Like there would be some pretty hefty slippage fees before they built up the liquidity. Um, what this is creating is this, this ultimate incentive for liquidity providers to provide this, this massive depth of liquidity on these narrow bands of the curve. This is another way they, they kind of illustrate it. It's like, as a liquidity provider, it used to be in, in the previous Uniswap version, you could only enter this entire um, curve, right? You have to provide liquidity for the full curve. But with V3, you can enter in any sort of portion and you really get to decide whether like what band, what area on the curve you, you want to enter uh, into, which is going to essentially juice the... Um, the returns and decrease the risk for liquidity providers. At the end of the day, that's what Uniswap is. It's like a liquidity monster. It's like eating up as much liquidity uh, as it can. And as it as it gets this liquidity, like liquidity is very much a um, a power law game, and liquidity begets liquidity. It just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So um, I see this as a massive upgrade for anyone who wants to provide liquidity to uh, Uniswap. There's a comment in the Bankless YouTube that it says that wouldn't this mean um, that there's a lot less liquidity at the extremes of the curve, forcing the prices to become more volatile. So that's definitely something to take into account. Prices inside of a band will be very stable, but if they get outside of the band, they could do something crazy. And I'm kind of reminded of like um, Wall Street bets type behavior where mm -hmm. like people will like focus in and, and say like, well, if we can get the price to move out of the band, all of a sudden it'll jump to something like, you know, crazy just because the liquidity just stops. And all of a sudden, like an extra, you know, hundred dollars of buying pressure moves the price by like some X number of percentages. I think there's going to be a lot of games that are played with this mechanism. Yeah, that's a that's a it, it's fascinating to to try to walk through how this might operate in the in the real world, um, and if people will kind of see that liquidity on chain and and try to break it in uh, various cases. But it definitely means that at the at the edges of the curve, the less frequently traded uh, you know, parts of the curve, you're going to get a lot less liquidity, right? It's going to be kind of staggered, you know, uh, Pareto principle eighty twenty 
rule inside of these more narrow bands. Um, but of course, like, you know, if, if people are trading out on the left and way out on the, the right side of the curve, uh, they're paying a lot more, <laughs> a lot higher slippage fees as well. Um, so I, I feel like that's the big, big uh, surprise. It's This is kind of a, a redesign of the entire concept of Uniswap and the entire concept of automated market makers. It's really kind of a, a revolutionary idea here, but the, the, the big pieces are this, this idea of concentrated liquidity, where you can kind of make bets as a liquidity provider at any point along this band. That's big idea one. And then big idea two sort of falls out of that, which is as a result, you get massive amounts of liquidity for these bands and you get massive um, capital efficiency gains here. So this is, talks about the capital efficiency gains max out at 4,000 X for LPs adding liquidity in a really tight band, like you know, 0.10%. And that's why I think it's, um, I think it makes sense for you to talk about Curve because that is an entire, I guess, protocol, DeFi protocol that maximizes stable, like the, right. the, the Curve like that's most like. appropriate for stable coins, right? And now mm -hmm. Uniswap can essentially replicate that or it seems like it can. Yeah, yeah. And this this is, that's exactly right. And like I said, I don't I don't understand. This, this does that same thing of, having a, a curve that's not just an exponential curve, but is shaped as exactly what the market needs it to be shaped as just to provide, like maybe they will maybe for whatever reason you have an asset and you, that asset is typically either a hundred dollars or $200, but for some weird reason, it's never $150. And right. I don't, I don't know why an asset would do this, but people can get creative in DeFi. And so liquidity can providers can just stay it, providing liquidity around $200 or around $100 and nothing in between. And like a lot of games can be played like that. A lot of interesting assets can be expressed like that. And so what that is, that's like curve. If it had two flat spots on the curve or, right. or an N number of liquidity points along the curve. And so it's really changing that, that X times X times K equals Y, I think is the right equation. Yeah. Really what that's doing is that's manipulating that curve of liquidity to exactly what the market needs. And the liquidity providers will figure out what that optimum shape is because they are profit maximized and that that's what their incentive is. Yeah. The, the market gets to decide now the right spot on the curve, which is super cool because Uniswap V1 with automated market makers, it really brought the, the market's ability to decide the, um, the liquidity depth of any particular asset, right? So completely permissionless, any asset can be listed. Anybody can, you know, publish their asset on Uniswap and the market decides what the liquidity profile of these assets are essentially, right? And so mm -hmm. the best assets kind of rise to the top. They get the most liquidity. Uh, the best monies get the most liquidity. This does that same thing, except uh, for like the best curves win essentially, right. or the best curves that fit a particular pair of assets. Super cool. But you know mm -hmm. what? This is, this is uh, at the same time, this is probably the, the meat of the story, right? And the, right. the meat of the innovation. But there's also more here. By the way, there's an entire white paper that right. David and I have not gone through <laughs> with all of the uh, details behind this, including like, kind of all of the math. Uh, we'll include a link in the show notes to that too. So if you, if you dare enter you a white pair, <laughs> we're just trying to summarize this for you at the high level, but let's go through a few other things. This is actually from 
our uh, alpha alert that we're going to issue to uh, Bankless Premium subscribers, but we'll go over a few of the TLDRs. Um, the, the first two we sort of talked about, David. Uh, mm -hmm. So what is included in this Uniswap thing? Concentrated liquidity and capital efficiency. Those are the major innovation points. But the third, I think, is uh, almost as exciting for all of DeFi, which is right. Uniswap is going to be deploying this on optimism. Optimism, of course, is a layer two. That means it's Ethereum secured rollup, right? So mm -hmm. they're not just going to put this on mainnet. Uh, the date, by the way, Uniswap is targeting a V3 launch on May 5th with an optimism deployment, they say shortly thereafter, which to me, they don't have a date. But you know, shortly thereafter is that weeks. You know, hopefully. Well, they can't. They can't announce for optimism, so they have to right. wait for optimism. Yeah. There's some dependencies there. Um, but how big of a deal is this, and what are the implications of Uniswap deploying to um, a rollup like Optimism? Right. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of content producers like Bankless or you know Anthony Cesano's Daily Quay or or Into the Ether or anyone talking about like you know optimism and and L2s are coming and they're going to blow everyone's minds and people are like oh okay cool I wonder what that means what that means is that Uniswap is feels like Coinbase or or Robinhood or it, it's centralized exchange level of performance and user experience with a decentralized level of security. Uh, and so we retain the values of decentralization, which there's you know infinitely long hours of conversations as to why the values of decentralization are important. And the by the way, practically that means you can exit without anyone's right. permission, right? Yes, yes. You always you always have custody of your funds. You can always leave and do whatever you want with your funds. No one can ever do anything with your funds that you don't want them to. Self sovereignty, permissionlessness, going bankless, blah 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 blah. What Optimism is doing and what Uniswap is doing is like, well, all of those fees that people are bummed about paying because it costs like $30 to make a trade on Uniswap goes to it goes from $30 to maybe three cents or pennies. It goes to pennies. And also the, the order goes through instantly as it does when you trade on Coinbase or through Binance. And so, the, the, and so getting your money into the Optimistic L2 will take one transaction and that will, that will cost your typical Ethereum transaction, maybe 30, depending on how fast you want it to be, maybe 20 to $40. And then once you're on Optimism, it's just like, it's just like you sent your money to Coinbase or right. you're sending your money to Binance. And then you can trade trade inf infinitely, a thousand times a second, do whatever you want, uh, because that's what the power of optimism is. Uh, and so all of these cool features that we're talking about on the Uniswap main chain is just going to be replicated on Uniswap on optimism. Yeah, so uh, uh, exactly right. A couple thoughts there. So you know, the one is it's it's awesome that rollups are here, right? They're they're here enough for for Uniswap to be able to deploy on them. It's interesting the strategy that Uniswap is taking because it's kind of like a you know one foot on the shore and then another in the sea, right? So it's like they're deploying on mainnet. They're going to live on mainnet, but they're also going to live on this optimism rollup. So it's not one or the other. It's like both. But this is a contrast from the way some other DeFi protocols have chosen to deploy. So we talked in in one of our weekly rollups, David, about like Sushi's uh, Sushi Swaps deployment strategy, and it was like shotgun approach. Where mm -hmm. are you going to deploy? We're going to deploy everywhere. We're going to deploy to mm -hmm. Matic, or we're going right. to deploy to Polygon, XDAI, Binance Smart Chain, like right. Polkadot, anything. Anyone, that we'll anywhere that we will be halved. Yeah. yeah, no, we're not making any concentrated bets here. We're just mm -hmm. like going to go where everywhere and we'll see where, you know, what the market decides. Uh, Uniswap is taking a very, I would say, ETH first 
maybe even you might argue decentralization first strategy. And they are leading the way and they're saying like, we're picking optimistic rollups secured by Ethereum. And like, that's their strategy. This is not a shotgun at all. It, it's also interesting that they've picked optimism because, uh, and rollups specifically, because this is, um, we've talked about this in the past, David, but like layer two is very much a, a coordination game for DeFi protocols, right? So Uniswap in Opt in an optimistic rollup isn't going to be very interesting unless there's a lot of ERC20 tokens inside of that rollup and a lot of liquidity inside of that rollup. And honestly, a lot of other DeFi protocols joining the party, right? So Uniswap is saying, hey, Manhattan's busy. So we're going to build out in the suburbs. We're going to build out in, in Brooklyn a little bit. Um, but this is a signal to say, like, join the party. Unless other DeFi protocols join them on the optimistic rollup, then it's going to be a lonely place. So my like Uniswap make I feel like the the market was almost waiting for Uniswap to make the move. And why Uniswap? Well, they're fifty seven percent or fifty three percent of all DeFi trading volume, right? The one of the 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 highest market cap. Uh, DeFi token, kind of a, a leader in many respects, a flag bearer in, in many respects. And I feel like the market's waiting for U Uniswap to make its move before it decides which rollup to support. And maybe this is uh, this is the push that everyone else needs to get to an optimistic rollup and join the party. Well, we also need optimism to actually launch so that the party can actually start. That is an important variable as well. Um, optimism has just increasingly become the shelling point. So I do think, I think and it hasn't even launched and maybe it's too early to say, but I kind of think the cats, the, it's already determined. Um, it's going to be basically optimism and and, and maybe the, the Starkware ZK rollups. Um, uh, and so I don't really have any uh, concerns that these DeFi protocols won't be able to coordinate uh, just over time. I think it's all just going to, the party's going to start on optimism. Also, people that we are in the DMs of trying to get on the Bankless podcast. Um, and so then hopefully that follows right after uh, the, the Uniswap podcast with Hayden. Um, where do you want to go to next, Ryan? Let's keep going. So mm -hmm. those are, I think, the three big and big pieces, right? Concentrated mm -hmm. liquidity, capital efficiency that that brings. And then they're deploying on layer two on optimism. But let's talk about this flexible fees. So um, Uniswap V3 has different um, uh, fee mm -hmm. tiers per, per pool. So, and it really depends on the volatility per pool. So um, that spans from 0.05% to 0.3% and 1% depending on the volatility. In version one, uh, you didn't have that option. Mm -hmm. Essentially, you right. you have like the a standard less flexible um, fee. So that is a difference. Again, providing some more customizability and some more, I guess, optionality and determining the market preference from liquidity providers. So flexible fees is another feature here. Interesting, like that they already picked out three and then locked you into only three, rather right. than just why is this not an, a number that you can input? Um, that's what know. balancer. That's what balancer yeah. lets you do. Um, specifically, curve the the a the highly liquid AMM for stablecoins and other like assets. They have that zero point five percent swap fee, so it makes sense that we can now choose more optimum fees for our trading pairs. But why not? Why not just make this a parameter? I don't know. Something we'll have to ask Hayden. Yeah, that's. I think that's a great question. Um, and let's continue moving on. I think this is important. Uniswap protocol fee. So mm -hmm. in V1, money for Uni token holders. Money, okay, right? revenue. So we, Uniswap introduced uh, a 0.05% governance cut 
in mm -hmm. V2, like the parameter, but it was never turned on. A V3 introduces governance fees on a per pool basis. So that's one distinction, not just doing it for the entire Uniswap platform. Every pool will have a different uh, protocol fee that could be between 10% and 25% of LP fees. So all fees will be turned off by default. They're not turning them on, mm -hmm. but governance, uni governance will be able to vote on these fees uh, to turn them on or not. So this is something we've talked about since May, since before DeFi summer of last year, the idea that governance tokens will vote to bring cash flows into their token economics. This is another step down that path. Um, everyone's asking like Uniswap's Uni's valuation. What's that based on if it's just a governance uh, protocol? Well, it's not just a, it's a governance protocol that's going to add cash flows. It's going to pay you money. <laughs> that's <laughs> why it's valuable. Like, that's what's happening. It's turning into a capital asset. And uh, anyone who holds Uni tokens is incented to vote on these capital assets. Um, I'm wondering if we, oh, we did some basic, look, our mm -hmm. analyst, uh, Lucas nice Campbell, job, Lucas. shout out, man. He did some basic napkin math on what- Never before seen napkin math, specifically <laughs> to bankless viewers. Here's the basic napkin math. So he's doing uh, Uniswap protocol earnings. And I suppose this is based on a 10% mm -hmm. rate and then- right. A six, red is a 16, so halfway between 10% and 25%. And you can see sort of the uh, protocol earnings. I guess this is um, over right, time yearly. here. Yeah, annualized. Uh, yeah, okay. So between 200 and $400 million on a yearly basis into the protocol. Not bad. In, into Not the bad. protocol, into the capital asset. In, um, into your pockets if you are a uni token holder. Well, the crazy thing about this, and people still haven't wrapped their heads around the difference between Coinbase and, and uni, but like Coinbase has a lot of overhead mm -hmm. that Uni just doesn't have. No, right? Uni exports its overhead to Ethereum. 15 employees in code. Right. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's, mm -hmm. it, it gets, it gets everything out of the box with, with Ethereum, whereas Coinbase has even, it's more like a bank, it has thousands of employees, lots of overhead. Right. Right. Uh, so anyway, very cool here. Should we talk about yeah. the next one? Uh, yeah. This is, this is the very, the very interesting one. This is, this is going to, uh, throw the world of composability in for a tizzy. Uh, and so what Uniswap has done, when you typically provide liquidity to Uniswap, you, you throw like for the ETH DAI pair, for example, you put in equal parts ETH and DAI, uh, and then you get this LP token, which is another ERC-20 token. And that that paradigm that you you put in your deposits and you get a receipt that's also an ERC-20 token, that, that alone triggered a massive conversation about the power of composability. Dan Elitzer wrote his famous piece, uh, Superfluid Collateral in DeFi, because you can take that LP token and lock that up as collateral in things like MakerDAO. And MakerDAO has recently done this. There are ERC-20 LP tokens as collateral in MakerDAO, which is, allows you to draw debt against it. What Uniswap uh, V3 has done is because of that, um, that more surgical uh, inserting of liquidity across a, a specific band, in order to enable that feature, they needed to turn their LP tokens into NFTs. Because if you are providing liquidity for ETH DAI between like, you know, $1,800 and $2,200 Ether, 
that is not the same parameters as somebody else who is providing liquidity between $1,000 and $10,000 Ether. Those are different parameters. And so those parameters, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the way this works. The par those parameters gets baked into the NFT and that's th those unique constructs are part of that NFT. And so what that means is that not all ETH DAI liquidity positions are the same. And all of these LP tokens, which are now NFTs, are not one-to-one -one tradable in the same way that they were that they previously were, which means accepting these things as uh, collateral into other DeFi protocols will take more overhead and take more custom engineering to really get that done. And so it's really going to be interesting to see all these DeFi protocols have to wrestle with this. For sure. What you just said is that that customization, it, there's actually a trade-off here, right? right. Because with no that lunch. customization, uh, that the LP gets to enter at any point on the curve, what we lose is fungibility, the ability to mm -hmm. exchange all of these liquidity pair positions uh, one for another. Now, my question is like, what are the downstream implications of this, right? Um, the first is like, uh, NFTs are, there's going to be a whole lot more NFTs on Ethereum, that's for sure. Imagine every single liquidity provider like that deposits anything into Uniswap getting an NFT, right? And so what's going to happen to all these NFTs? Are there going to be ways to, to right. trade them individually? Where does like something like Immutable X, which is creating kind of a, a layer two for NFTs, where does that come in? Will there be ways to like tranche these right. NFTs mm -hmm. together and turn them, convert them back into more, more fungible ERC-20s? I'm betting the answer to all of these things is, is yes. And that's probably the, with the gamble with work. But, yeah. but um, maybe that's the gamble that, um, right. that Unis or the trade-off that Uniswap is, is making for this. Because I see this is the aspect I don't love about right. the, the new design. I'm just wondering what the implications will be for it. Right. Yeah. And to be honest, we never really saw the composability of LP tokens really take off. We only really got a hint of it with Uniswap V2. And by the way, Uniswap V2 will still be a thing. And so we, if, if the market really wants those LP tokens to be ERC-20 tokens, they can still have that because Uniswap V2 will never go away. Uniswap V1 is still here. People still trade on Uniswap V1 for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> NFTX has done a fantastic job of producing liquidity across nfts so like CryptoPunks have liquidity mm -hmm. so you could simply just put in one ether and then you can get this token that represents CryptoPunk liquidity at aggregate and CryptoPunks are you know unique there are like i don't know how many forty thousand unique CryptoPunks, uh and so like perhaps perhaps there's a roundabout way to to solve this in the back end where we we go with erc20 tokens into uniswap mints an NFT version of an LP, and then all of these different NFT LP tokens are then re-coalesced back into a platform like NFTX to produce out another another ERC-20 token. Like it sounds complicated. It sounds like, sounds like a lot of work, uh, but, some, but people in DeFi do stuff like that. Like people tinker. And so maybe this, oh. this solution is solvable. And I have a sense that some of that experimentation might happen on the optimistic rollup where gas prices are, mm, are really right. low, right? Some of that mm -hmm. innovation can live there. Um, let, let's keep going. So there are a lot of advantages to, uh, to Uniswap, the, the money Lego or the system, but there's also like system-wide Ethereum and system-wide DeFi advantages that we're getting out of this. And one is more advanced oracles, right? So mm -hmm. Uniswap has uh, famously been kind of like providing an oracle service to the rest of DeFi. And it's, um, it's a very censorship resistant 
Oracle service because it's based on some code, Uniswap code mm -hmm. that, that cannot be stopped itself. So it has some advantages um, that, you know, Chainlink and off-chain sort of Oracle services that are feeding data in internally do not have. So it, what we want out of this whole DeFi system is the most censorship resistant, unstoppable set of oracles possible, right? Because oracles, price feeds provide everything we need. They pro like they they provide you know data for synthetics. They provide um, like an underlying primitive that the rest of DeFi can use. And it looks like I haven't gone into all of the details here, but the mm -hmm. Uniswap V3 upgrade is going to provide a big boost to its Oracle service, making it possible to calculate any recent time-weighted um, value within the past nine days. I'm actually not sure what it has been previously. It sounds like it's been like less than nine days. So this gives a longer history to you know provide a price feed Oracle based on. Yeah, and I think there's just overall just more robustness about the infrastructure of the Uniswap Oracle, just making it more consumable by other DeFi apps. And I think that's really the the key innovation is like it's just it's a it's a developer usability feature, and we knew we need internal oracles to come out of Ethereum. And oracles are really, really important if we want to maintain our self-sovereignty, right? Because so many of these DeFi applications need price feeds to operate. MakerDAO needs it, Aave, Compound, anything with collateral needs a price feed. It, and, and so it's really DeFi or Ethereum is trying to ask the question, what are these assets worth? And they don't really know the answer to that question without an oracle. And historically, Ethereum or DeFi at large has had to ask that question externally, as in like, hey, Coinbase or hey, Binance or hey, Chainlink, what is this worth? And now instead, things can ask Uniswap, what is this worth? And like you said, that was a feature of Uniswap v2. This is not brand new in Uniswap v3, but it seems to be that the infrastructure around this Oracle is just better. Uh, and so what that tells me is that this is making DeFi more buildable because we have uh, censorship resistant oracles out of Uniswap. And especially as Uniswap is growing to the amount of volumes that it is competing with Coinbase, that makes actually the Oracle more resistant to attack, right? Because um, somebody might be able to just like drain the order book on Coinbase. And then all of a sudden the, the Coinbase Oracle reports a very weird number. And that triggers a bunch of events in DeFi, black swan risk. Uh, the more volume we can put through Uniswap and the more um, censorship resistant these Oracles can become makes the Oracle stronger. Liquidity is key here. So it's all this mm -hmm. great feedback loop. Um, let's talk about this too. So gas efficiency. So everything mm -hmm. with the above upgrades we talked about, V3 swaps are actually cheaper than V2. Now, I don't think this means significantly cheaper, but the fact that they are cheaper at all it's seems cool. to me to be uh, an amazing accomplishment, a pretty cool accomplishment. It also tells me that's like, it's a competitive advantage to be on mainnet and to offer trading at the lowest possible gas fee. That mm -hmm. just in itself, if you're going to operate in Manhattan, right? Like that in itself is a competitive advantage. And I think that um, something that other automated market makers are going to have to compete with Uniswap on if they want to garner liquidity. So that's pretty cool. Like Uniswap already did a pretty good job of this. It's like right. always been one of the cheapest places to you know, trade from a gas perspective. And it seems like they're just continuing that. Yeah, th this is a definitely a point of diminishing returns, I would say. I, I don't know, I'm not an expert on gas, but I'm gonna go ahead and guess that this uh, increased efficiency by somewhere between five to 15% 
somewhere in that range. It's not cutting it down by 90%. Like it's not an L2. It's just optimizations. And the Uniswap V2 is already pretty well optimized. So the fact that they are, are even able to boast even further optimizations is pretty cool. Um, but like, this is not a new paradigm in gas. It's still going to be as roughly as expensive as, as, as what people have been used to. Um, but just like Ryan said, like being able to be competitive with making the same trades, but with less gas versus competitors is important to as infrastructure. Now here's one. So this is part of the the TLDR <laughs> is the license. Yeah. Interesting. So th this there's... is meat space stuff. This is not DeFi protocol stuff. Yeah. So there's a piece hidden in the original post that talked about the uh, the licensing. And here's kind of how I understand this. As 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 we write this, there's some kind of debate on Twitter going back and forth as to what this means. But it looks like V3 will be re released under a different license, meat space license versus uh, V2, a business source license, which, which limits the use of V3 source code in a commercial or production setting for two years. After two years time, it returns to a similar open source license that, that V2 was under, but it's kind of like this um, time delayed GPL license. So to me, like when I ask the why, why did they do this? It seems like very obviously a response, some some meat space anti-forking provision, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So what they're saying to anybody who would try to fork it is, hey, if you do this, this is actually against the license, right? So you could see all of right. the code, but you're breaking a license of SushiSwap, say, tries to, to, to clone this or fork this. I have kind of mixed feelings about yeah. this, David, to be honest. So mm -hmm. I want to get your take on it first. What do you, what, why do you think they're doing this and what, what are the implications? Yeah, this is probably a direct response to the whole sushi swap vampire attack thing where sushi swap literally just forked Uniswap code and then uh, did the LP rewards. And so they say, hey, we're going to clone Uniswap and then we're going to distribute this new token to people that uh, use our version of Uniswap. Uh, and if this license was up, that would make this a little bit more uh, restrictive, right? Um, the, the take here is that like Ethereum is inherently open source and the only way that you can stop someone from copying your code is through meat space regulations, like the courts, laws, nation state laws. And so it's a little bit antithetical when we're talking about this grand like arena of open source development to say like, no, if you, if you copy our code, which is, you know, public is when you put, when you publish it to Ethereum, it becomes public knowledge. It's in the public domain. Now you can file a, a license, which is what Uniswap has done saying like, well, if anyone does this, we can legally go after them according to the rules of the nation state. I, I'm pretty sure licenses are maybe USA only, or maybe there's an agreement between the USA and, and European Union, but it's, it's a little bit antithetical to the space. However, it ends in two years, which is not that long of a time. Uh, and, and also, uh, you know, <laughs> It, it, it's, it's, it's a compromise. Like we can't be completely cypherpunk crypto maximalists. We do live in physical reality. There are trade-offs that we have to make. Uh, Uniswap does deserve innovator innovators rewards. And, and so do all the investors. Um, and maybe I would, I'd be interested to see how much influence paradigm had in, uh, in, uh, with this influence, if, if that was really what they pushed for, or if this is something that Hayden really wanted something to, we'll, we'll perhaps ask him on the podcast. Yeah, so it's it's something that uh, for sure could be forked too anonymously, right? But right. like, doesn't stop it, anonymous forking. It doesn't stop anonymous forking, but it probably does stop things like there wouldn't be a 
you know, high reputation, say Silicon Valley style right. DeFi protocol right. with major investors who would just take Uniswap and fork it would it do that. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I guess the, the lens through which I see this too is, um, this is a, a, a response to what Uniswap has clearly perceived as a competitive threat. So this is a protocol using meat space now to right. defend against and to build a moat against competitors. So not the not first time either. It, I, yes. And not the first time. I'm also not surprised. I guess we'll see how this plays out. Um, I do agree. It's not in the spirit of like f- fork it and see, right? right. Everything mm-hmm. is open source. So this is a little departure from that. Um, so we'll, we'll see how this plays out here. Um, well, I think we've gotten through all the TLDR stuff, David. Um, I think there's the major- one feature that we haven't covered yet, and or maybe I misinterpreted something. Uh, I think it'll be in the blog post, but it's about like if you want to provide liquidity to ETH, the ETH die pair or any two or any pair, but you only have one of the assets. I think Uniswap will take care of that for you, and so you can deposit just Ether, and then in the background, it'll give you a liquidity position into the ETH die pair or or the ETH USDC pair. Uh, and so you only need to come to Uniswap with one asset to provide liquidity and you you will be buying it in the back end. But instead of having to like come to Uniswap with both equal amounts of both uh, amounts of uh, tokens in, in US dollar value terms, uh, you can just come to one and then Uniswap will take care of it in the background. Just a, you know, just a, a UX upgrade as well, which is kind of nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, this is not live yet, but we're dropping it as an alpha leak because it is such a monumental, I think, achievement. Yep. For, uh, for DeFi and for Ethereum. So it's important that you know about it. I guess, what are the, <laughs> the action items here, David? We haven't even talked about uni token price here, but um, right. I imagine it's doing something in the background uh, at, at, even as we speak. Um, I, I think the action items are like, or some things to consider are this liquidity won't move over right away. Um, again, V2 stays open and active, and then V3 is launched in parallel. And so it's not an automatic migration. LPs are going to have to have a market reason to migrate, and they'll migrate slowly. Um, it feels like optimism is you know, maybe going to happen sometime late spring, early summer on the heels of this. So that will be a big upgrade for the community. And the good news is layer two is here. I think the other Last takeaway is this seems to add some tangible, concrete token economics, cash flow, uh, value streams to Uni the token. And what are the implications? What are the implications when uh, Coinbase does its IPO and has a publicly traded uh, stock price? What are the implications uh, for, for Uni the token there? So a lot to think through. We hope you've enjoyed this Alpha Leak video edition. Once again, Bankless Premium members, you'll get a copy of this Alpha Alert inside of your emails. There's a link so you can subscribe there as well. Anything else, David? Uh, yeah, maybe just a one more comment on the uni price, just to, to add some market perspective. It's, it's been trading pretty strongly, I would say, in the last week. And then the uh, this announcement dropped and uni price went from uh, $34 to $37. <laughs> and, then it, and then it's fallen from $37 down to $31. Uh, and so there was definitely people who were looking to trade on this news. And it's, uh, so far, it's turning out to be kind of a sell the news event. Um, 
but I don't give a fuck because this is so excuse, excuse my language, but this is, I think this is really cool. And again, like that Coinbase trade, that's where my head is at. Uh, Coinbase is going to drop a bomb on the public stock market. And then people are going to figure out what DeFi is. And Uniswap is just the easiest thing to understand after Coinbase. So that's my market commentary. There you go, guys. David's market commentary. I hope you've enjoyed this alpha alert. Thanks a lot.